0: Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queen's podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week we watched A Wrinkle in Time, directed by Ava DuVernay and released in 2018. The plot of the movie goes something like this. After the disappearance of her scientist father, three peculiar beings send Meg, her brother, and her friend hurtling across the universe to
1: find him. Yep. And uh, as we do happy doing um we'll do a quick spoiler free section to tell you whether you should see this movie before we talk about it in more detail
0: um i really enjoyed this it's definitely got a lot of problems but i think if you have kids um especially that like that tween age kind of mm. middle years difficult period that we've talked about a lot this is a great movie for kids because they won't see a lot of the things that that are problem that are you know kind of issues with it it's got a really plucky lead it's beautiful and colorful and fun and it's got some really good ideas and messages in it yeah so like definitely if you have kids even up to like teenagers um Mm. i would say definitely yeah go see this movie if you are a more critical adult it might not be to your tastes um unless you were a
1: particular fan of the book as a kid or something
0: yeah or you really like colorful sci-fi movies or
1: something but just
0: yeah go in knowing that it's it's got some problems and it's definitely more suited to kids
1: yeah i actually read a review um before i saw the read some of a review or headline of a review that said a wrinkle in time is a kid's movie and Mm. i think that i also really enjoyed this film and but definitely need to hold in your mind that this is a disney family film Mm. um and so some of the things that, uh, that that we had problems with and some of the things that i particularly had problems with like where things are a bit heavy-handed or whatever that will not be an issue because it's not made for us it's made for kids and that you do need to kind of give them a bit more explanation to work with
0: although saying it's heavy-handed it's less heavy-handed
1: than both of the movies that we've reviewed before this today love simon and um, ready player one definitely yeah it's actually it was kind of refreshing after there's things i didn't like about it but it was refreshing after ready player one to come into something that's like sparkly and fun and I, I sort of – I can ease into it. Um, yeah, definitely go – I think go and see this. Um, with the caveat, yes, particularly if you have kids, but it's that rare family film as well that's also good and you will enjoy it, um, so.
0: Yeah, I'm um, yeah.
1: <laughs> I think that um, it might be a to watch for adults who
0: um, are not as into this sort of thing.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I think the messages that are – the messages that are true for kids about being yourself and learning to trust yourself and knowing that you can do it. Um, I I feel like I I, I made a joke afterwards that that the, one of the religions referenced in this movie is Oprahism and that is very much a tenet of a Oprah. But it is also like I I found that a nice message. Like the, there's scenes in there where I sort of definitely related to that and definitely kind of felt like that's something that happens in my adult life in terms of like you know, believing in yourself and knowing when to take action and when to take a leap and all that sort of thing. So I, I didn't mind that stuff too much. Um, but I I get sucked into the Disney messaging every single time. So that's yeah.
0: Me. I those see, those things weren't problems for me. So I think maybe we're looking at it differently. So, oh, right. No, um, I, di- I also
1: didn't think those were problems. Yeah. I thought they were good. Okay.
0: Yeah, that sort of stuff. I mean, it was a bit heavy-handed, but it's great for kids. And it's mm. it, even in the movie, it's just nice to see people trying to – it's just nice to see people trying to uplift Meg Murray. Yeah. It's nice to see people believing in her and stuff, you know, because she's actually had it hard and it's nice to see people supporting her. Mm. So it, it, it is a bit heavy-handed, but that was less of a problem for me than some of the other things. Yeah. So we'll get into those,
1: I think. Yeah, so we'll t- we'll start talking spoilers now, so if you haven't – seen it um maybe switch off and come back when you have
0: right one of the reasons why this is a very kiddie movie is it has a very definite disney channel feel to it in the way that the kids perform Mm -hmm. and especially those horrible song choices which are clearly songs written for this movie yeah because they explain the plot to you in lyrics or the themes or something in the you're like um this is this is a reference that people probably aren't going to appreciate but um when the dollhouse finale aired okay. um joss uh, not J- joss jadweed and marissa tancher wrote a song for it and they talked about in the commentary for it they talked about how it was hard to write the song because they wanted it to reflect the themes of the show without directly referencing the show and being too obvious and the song that they ended up writing worked quite well, you know. It was a TV level song, but whatever. So that's the big problem with this: it directly references things that you're watching happening on screen, and it's completely distracting from what you're watching on screen. I didn't
1: think the songs were very good. No, either. they're not. Like they were, um, they were sort of too loud and intrusive on the score at mm-hmm. the times when they were being used, uh, and I just found that like unnecessary. Yeah, it's painful. It's. Painful, yeah, and, and like the composer on this film is actually someone like really, uh, Ramin Jawadi. Yeah, really he did like the Game of Thrones theme. Yeah, very accomplished and well known and good composer. I think he also did Slumdog Millionaire. Mm, like a good scorer, right? Yeah. And he did Iron Man as well. Okay. Um, Pacific Rim, he's Was a, I like, right about the ones that I said? He definitely did Game of Thrones and then Westworld. Okay. You'll have um, to go back a bit further for Slumdog
0: Millionaire if he did that. That's a while ago.
1: Yeah. Um but like a a known um oh uh, I can't find it on here. But anyway, okay. probably um, didn't. Then. but anyway, like a, a good composer, um and some and someone whose score a much more subtle score would have worked in better in a lot of those in a lot of places. Yeah. Like all the ones where like In all the places. There's all like a song that's literally singing I am a warrior underneath. Mm. And there's like the There's the, three songs that say I am a Warrior. Mm. Three of them. Oh, I thought there was just one song played over and over again. No,
0: no, the other ones also have the same. Like, there's the three of them that all
1: reference "I am a warrior" or being yeah, a warrior. In and some and it just—it was like, ugh. And um, I because I follow Ava DuVernay on Instagram. I've been seeing her reference. Shadé wrote a song for my movie, and it's great on her Instagram for a while. And obviously, I haven't listened to it because who turns the sound on on Instagram? You fucking idiots. <laughs> um, but. Uh, like I sort of was like, oh, okay, there's a Sade song somewhere in here, but there's like two of them and they're bad. Mm. Um, I think C is involved as well and you will know that that's always bad when she gets involved in a movie soundtrack. And like it, it, it takes away from it, but I also, um, I mean, the movie is a lot of fun and there are some, some there's quite a bit of good stuff, but that was something that was like, this is not necessary here. Mm. Um, no, it's it's distracting and it pulls you out and it's not like, good. Th- like I said, there's good, there's like good heavy handedness and bad heavy handedness. Yeah. And the good heavy handedness is like Oprah telling her to believe in herself and like reiterating the messages because they're kids and it's made for kids and you know sh- you're telling them and then showing them and mm. that stuff is fine. Um, and it's the yeah that music though. Whee. That said, um, I did have a lot of fun in this and I thought particularly Oprah and Reese Witherspoon were like. Perfectly cast. Yeah, they were really good. They the adults do a lot of heavy lifting in this. I I didn't think either lead kid, the two the two sort of tween age kids, I didn't think they were that good. The little brother is freaking amazing.
0: I feel like Storm Reed has some really really good moments, but she's not as good. And I I think that the, the dialogue is a little clunky and I think mm. it's taken from
1: the book because yes. it feels oh, very yes. much
0: like something you would read that would make sense. But being said aloud, it doesn't make it's a lot of sense. It's too much when it's said aloud. You're like, yeah, I, I was thinking that as well. Especially. And so I think that Storm Reid is quite good when she's just reacting. Mm. But when she has to deliver some of these lines, they're just too much. Yeah, yeah.
1: Whereas the little kid, Derek McCabe, who's it's like great. six, he's, he delivers these long speeches. are just fantastic. Like, I don't know how... He memorised that. He's six. I he, must, he must have had it, like, he must have had to learn it phonetically or, so, or like, had someone tell it to him and he memorised it. Now, yeah. he is phenomenal. He's fantastic. And yeah, I think Oprah and Reese do a really good job. I'm not so won over by Mindy Kaling. No. Um, I those I feel two like do quite she could job.
0: have. It's funny. I feel like she could have played the Reese Witherspoon character. Oh, yeah. But the character she was playing was the wrong one for her more yeah. than anything else but like she it just
1: didn't see the character but we but reese was good in that character like that yes, was a good she was. character for her but i think if you're you were going
0: to cast mindy kaling it would be as the other one instead of that yeah, one. Yes. more what i was saying well because
1: mindy has that kind of she actually has a very like legally blonde kind of vibe about her yeah um and so and like that's what her other roles have all been like that's what mm. she's like off screen like when she blogs about her beauty products and stuff like she is more like that so that was a bit of a weird match i'm, I'm not sure who you would have cast there but i feel like someone a bit more serious like mm. like someone who's a bit more studious, serious i don't know if that's really my brain went to elizabeth debicki which is not helpful yeah but actually she would, she would have been good that, but then i, I wanted to cast of, somebody
0: who's not white
1: yeah no no but that that more like yeah but you could have like cast him i don't know carrie washington mm. um like yeah. you just someone with a bit
0: more gravitas. There's somebody that, not that Karen Washington is triggering in my mind that I think would yeah, be not good, that but I can't think of
1: who it is. But both Mindy and Reese are very sort of effervescent, bubbly types mm. of people and they tend to, to do those characters well.
0: Yeah, there's not enough comedy in Mrs. Who. There's not enough lightness. Yeah. Um, and her voice is so light too. It just doesn't yeah, that's fit why, the quotes and yeah. things.
1: She should be – she should – like – an Oprah voice would suit that. Oprah's character is perfect for Oprah. That's yeah. all good. Um, but it um, Viola Davis. Yeah, the deeper kind of more resonant voice would have suited that character better. I think. Yeah, Lucy Liu. She'd be great. Yeah,
0: yeah, she could work. I um, think she'd be good in that. Mm,
1: yeah, something like anyway. I'm I also just got the idea that, people. That, that that Mindy Kaling had trouble moving in the costume. Oh, definitely, but like, that's not her fault. That no, costume the costume was, was insane. <laughs> but all of them had insane costumes. But she, like, it, you could see the work involved in her trying to move, especially that because big they made thing. her
0: run in that big bustle thing whereas
1: the costume that reese was running in was very loose just a dress yeah Yeah. so it, it, it it was yeah that was really tough yeah but the other adults though i thought um obviously chris pine was great
0: um, uh, see, I felt like Chris Pine and Gugu Mbatha and were practically in another movie that I would love to watch that's a very, like, much more dramatic take on this whole thing. Like, about, you know, the, a woman who
1: has lost her husband and, and all that sort of stuff that would be great to watch. They were definitely taking that that, that very seriously. That, like, they've lost each other and he'd lost his children. He's been stuck in the bad place. I think they're anchoring the emotion of that because mm. the kids are much uh, doing something
0: much lighter. Yes. But they, they have to because they're trying to get like, – yeah. The Gugu and Chris are really anchoring the, the yeah. performance. Like their performances in and something li- real. Yeah, and like I said,
1: they they do a lot of the heavy lifting, and their chemistry is off the charts. Yeah, they're great. Like they're so good together. I I love her. Ever since I saw that Black Mirror episode, I can't. I'm completely like she's wonderful. She and is. Um, I mean, I've seen her in other things as well, mm. but she's really good, and they are really good together.
0: Yeah um yeah they they match each other really well
1: and and i feel like they also work really like those kids feel like they could be their kids yeah like really um the they just like you definitely imagine these kids grew up in this family which is interesting because there's a whole storyline about how the little one's adopted i don't know if the older girl is but i don't think so i think it's implied that she's there yeah and because she looks a lot like like they have the same same hair and stuff as gugu and Raw, so it kind of makes sense that that that's how and then they adopt the little brother and like he just fits perfectly into the family that's absolutely the the parents this kid would have. Yeah. The way that Chris Pine looks at Meg is the sweetest thing in the whole
0: world. Um, like you completely believe that he's her dad. Yeah. You know, it's just, he just sells it so well. But um, so in the book um meg and charles wallace are biologically related he's not adopted i think and there's also twin younger siblings right so or there's twin middle siblings and he's the youngest and she's the oldest you just
1: reminded me we probably should have started with like i've never read the book yeah. never knew anything about this until i was in my 20s and you read it when you're a kid but can't yeah. really remember it well
0: yeah i, I made it, read, it, read it when i was a kid so everything that i say about it needs to
1: be taken with a grain of salt um they were all white um <laughs> I know that. Yeah, I think that's, yeah. Well, I mean, it was written in the 60s. Like, yes. it's it's a different time. Um, And my thinking is it's not big in Australia. Like, when I said to Katie, I just I just never heard of it and I never did it in school. I think whatever in the era I grew up in Australia, it wasn't a big thing. But I do believe it's much bigger elsewhere.
0: Yeah. I, I don't remember where I read it. But I know that other people my age had read it when I did read it. Mm. And I knew it was quite a, quite a popular book. Like, you know, a lot of, especially kids who read sci-fi and stuff and fantasy yeah. and things would read The Wrinkle in Time and it is I didn't know, learn this until much later but it's also quite popular amongst um religious people Madeline L'Engle is religious it's, and yeah, Christian writer books, Christian writer and the other books have got more heavily Christian themes um this one's very light with its Christian themes like they're it's in there but if you don't know it's in there if you're not looking for it it's not as obvious
1: yeah it felt like Harry Potter to me Harry Potter has quite strong Christian themes but you kind of you don't sort of see them until later on and well, it's, they're it's, not as they're not like if you you can also take them as like messages about the way to live a good life yeah as well there's a kind of a universality to a lot of the things yeah, themes, yeah um, about being yeah. a good person yes exactly so it's not so much like you know Narnia resurrecting a lion kind of thing it's yeah like a more um a, a more general approach which is why like Oprah's approach Oprah has always used secular language, but she is herself Christian and she mm. a lot of what her message is about is is Christian. It's, it's a very sort of like, you know, individual look within yourself for the power kind of you can do it if you believe in yourself kind of stuff. And so there's a bit of that. But then they're also like they um there's a really beautiful quote from a Rumi poem, the Persian poet, the wound is where the light enters you, mm. um, which they reference um a couple of times. And there's a I think Mrs. Who gives a, a there's a Buddha quote mm. and they've me, Manuel Miranda quote. Yes. Uh, yes, Mirandaism, the <laughs> newest religion. Yeah, exactly. Hamiltonianism. Yeah. Um, there's also the bit with Zach Galifianakis where they—it's like a yoga class, which mm. is obviously a Hindu practice and where believing it's a, in balance. Yeah, it's about like balancing and centering yourself and like quieting the mind, or and so that the physical can or quieting the mind with like a physical challenge, which mm. I, thought, which like I, I related to because of my recent interest in going to the gym and like things I've been going through, learning with my my personal trainer, where I'm like, well, you can do things, but often your mind talks you out of doing them, and you know just. Sometimes the trick is to just kind of like shutting down your mind, not your body. Your body is more capable. I've that,
0: never in once in my entire life shut down my mind. I don't know what that means. No, neither
1: have I. But I, I have found in, in as I get more into like weight training and stuff, it's um, it's so much that's like psychological. Like if I'm lifting heavy weights and stuff. There's a huge psychological barrier. Those are really huge plates. Like I can I can physically lift them, but when I see them there, I freak out and like can only do two reps. And I'm like, oh, I'm gonna stop. But it's not because I'm not strong. It's because my brain's gotten in my way. Anyway, that was that's very much a personal detour there. But that yeah, the yoga class type thing of like standing up straight and focusing on centering yourself and your connection to the earth and all that kind of stuff. That's mm-hmm. a more that's like an older um more an older mysticism.
0: It's well, like... yeah, I think that this movie is trying to share the spirituality and be mm. m- more universal and incorporate a lot of different ideas into yeah. it, which I think is really nice. Mm. There there are quite a lot of things that I think this movie does that are really nice. Um, it's obviously got a very strong focus on girls in STEM mm. um, and saying, you know, you can do this sort of thing, and, and but also it doesn't um turn like the the mean girl in the school um has oh, how that
1: it handles that really well yes and it's
0: not like and when when there's the better version of meg which i was like mm. Mm, there's no better version of anybody that's wearing cold shoulder tops um <laughs> like the the that girl you know looked more like Rowan Blanchard in this very movie, much so yeah. um who is clearly the girl that she's jealous of mm. and the popularity but then she sees that that girl also has her own problems mm. and it's handled in a way that doesn't say like th- th- that that both Meg and Veronica have problems, and that like being one way or the other way is not better, mm. and being a different person is not better or worse. Yeah, you just have to be you. Yeah, um, which is nice, I think. Yeah, um, so it's
1: not like yeah, it's not mean about that sort of thing. No, it was it was interesting because because early on when she is at school, like uh, God, I related to her so much. I haven't done the throw a basketball in someone's face, but I did hit a hockey ball at someone once. Um, and that like I felt I very I felt very scene um but um also like that that whole sc- it, it, it when you look back at it later you sort of realize that that was probably shot you know, like it's all from her perspective and it's not you're not necessarily seeing the whole um picture of how it went down
0: yeah but i think i mean the, the other girls are being mean to her but mm. they're being mean to her out of their own frustrations their own as stuff. well yeah like there's yeah it, it has that kind of undertone to it and um the scene where charles Wallace comes over he's so sweet he's and amazing so kid. embarrassed and i was like oh i always don't like when you know i don't like when people in the, their uh, characters are embarrassed by their friends by their nerdy yeah. friends yeah yeah but no. that kid is he's just so sweet yeah once again we have the return of the terrible teachers trope
1: yes that's where i was heading next
0: <laughs> which is like the teachers i okay i understand the two teachers having a conversation which by the way was the weirdest most rushed conversation i've ever heard like the way they were talking to uh, each other it was like they just were making a point and what? not
1: listening to the other person like, at all it was also weird how invested the rest of the world and the school were in the fact that this was the anniversary of like his disappearance like how famous is this guy well they're teaching his kids so they'd be more invested and at least the the other
0: girls do as well they make something up about it yeah at least the exposition makes sense Like, in at least she tries to put the exposition in the mouths of people who would know about it. Mm, Yes. And not just, like, they're not just expositioning for our sake. No, no, no. True. I I appreciated that, although that that conversation was so awkward. It just sounded Eh. so awkward. I. I have had conversations with teachers where you talk about students.
1: Right. And the things they were saying weren't well, and, and particularly mean exactly. And when a student exactly. has like a family situation, it's important that the staff know about it and talk to one another about yeah. strategies and all that. I get it. But I think they would have that conversation in the staff room yeah, or something. Yeah, not on duty.
0: Not on no. playground duty. Because no. um, that's. Again, I'm professional. But, mm. um, but at least I understood those. The princi- principal hot guy from Moonlight, mm. um, Kevin, Principal Kevin, um, what's his name? Andre Holland. Andre Holland, yeah. I don't know. Um, he, th- that made no sense. Like, the way that he was talking to her, I'm like, how did you even get to be the principal? In movies, we always see, like, oh, they just don't like them because they're outsiders or they're different or whatever. But everybody keeps telling us that Meg is being sullen and difficult and all these
1: sorts of things. And she is, though. Like, Yes so yeah. how do we know that she hasn't done something to this girl that she didn't like Yeah yeah um especially once you once you get through to the end of it and you see her when she goes into the um I don't want to, I don't know into the other Tetris. universes yeah, well, when she tests, it, when she's in, in the other parts of the universe, mm. you can see there are there are issues there, and that she's got there are other things at play. Like you can see the when you see the behavior decontextualized from school into mm. that with her brother and with the other boy, you can see that you can. And she's mean to her mother at one point. Mm. You know, there's. Which is a but both of them are like thirteen year old girls, which is completely yeah. typical yeah. that you're mean to each other and your parents and mm. your siblings, and like it's it's a it's a development phase.
0: Yes, it, yeah, totally, and I get it. it. The movie's trying to teach you how to handle that stuff better. Mm. Mm-hmm. I just wish that yeah. they
1: didn't constantly have to demonize teachers to do these things yeah yeah anyway then another thing about this movie though that i wasn't a big fan of is i didn't like how it was shot i feel like there's too much up close like she's way too close to people's faces a lot of the time um it, it was like a bit awkward um mm. it was a lot of wobbling camera which i sort of understand because some of it was like to show memories or mm. when things were different um but there were a lot of like just shots of their faces that were, like, right smooshed up against them. Yeah. Um, and I found that a bit, mm, I don't know, I didn't like it particularly.
0: I think in some places it was used really, really well. Um, but I can see what the intention was. And how it didn't really work sometimes. Mm. Like there's a tight close-up of um, Reese Witherspoon and Gugu mm. at the beginning, where like I think it was to show that the world had suddenly narrowed down for these characters, and yep. she was portraying this information while well, she was um, relaying this information. But that didn't really work. No,
1: and there were it, early on also she was shooting everybody from underneath um, in in a way that like was a bit just just odd. Like it felt weird. Like
0: there's a lot of stuff in it that's like th- that stuff again. It's all kind of representing emotional. And mental states and things, mm. rather than the reality of the situation. Like there's times when Meg is taller
1: than Oprah, yeah, and things like that that don't make any sense. No, and and I the and I get what they were trying to do. I get what she was trying to do there. I just didn't find. I found it more took me out of it than mm. it helped me understand. Like when when it was. Assigned to like flashbacks and memories and stuff that makes perfect sense because you can't see it properly and you know, mm. things are weird and fuzzy and is it right? Um, but when they tried to do that sort of stuff, it was just a bit over the top for me and yeah. I was kind of like, what is that shot? Why is she being shot like that? More than I was thinking about what they're actually saying. But I feel like once they do Tessa, um,
0: that first planet they get yeah, to, yeah. After really... that
1: first, uh, once we start tessering, it's fine.
0: Well The first planet was really just pretty and showing the possibilities and that's all fine. But mm. once kale they dragon. actually the kale dragon, yeah.
1: When I was like, oh, they've
0: taken the Hollywood's obsession with kale too far this time, um, but um, and that was gorgeous. Like, mm. God, it was gorgeous. Yeah, that's um, why they shot in New Zealand. It was like we shot in New Zealand so we could get these vistas. But I feel like once the plot really started taking off, the movie really started taking Absolutely. off. Absolutely, and that last act was great. It was really good. Yeah. Um, it was so focused. You know, they're trying to get to Chris Pine. They have certain things they need to do. Mm. Um, the brief roles from Bellamy Young and Michael Pena were great. Mm. Really, really spot on that. Bellamy Young scene in the suburbs yeah, yeah. was so cool and surreal and really clever. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed that. And, yeah, Michael Pena was really good too. Yeah. That beach thing. I love Michael Pena. Bright suit and everything. That was great. It was so great. His, his facial hair yeah. was really funny. But like, I just, he's so kind of... Um, he's so much more versatile than anybody gives him the opportunity to be a lot of the time. And mm. this movie kind of showed that up a bit. Mm. Um, he was really fun in this. And when he falls apart, that was so disturbing and cool. Yeah, So cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really kind of sells the Charles Wallace shift as yeah, well. Because yeah. the Charles Wallace shift is a bit hard to understand. We don't really get what happened. No. But um, that sort of explains it neatly. <laughs> yeah yeah so it, it helps to have those visual representations of those things mm. and her
1: finding her dad and everything mm. that reunion scene was so oh great. it was so good because like <laughs> so good. chris pine is all shot in silhouette and all you can see is his like beautiful floppy hair <laughs> yeah his <laughs> 90s boy band hair that he's got going on yeah. in this movie
0: but it's, it's shot really beautifully and it looks really beautiful mm. but it's also really like emotionally waiting oh wow. yeah. and the big climax which is Really, the thing I remember most from the book mm. is that she defeats the it by telling Charles Wallace she loves him mm. and reminding him that he loves her. Is like it really works well in the book, and I think it's really good in the movie. And that's the stuff that Stormy does do well because it's not these awkward lines. No, and it's just she like just like, I love to, you. Yeah, yeah. Um, um And the kid is so great. Yeah,
1: he's so Derek good. Derek It's is yeah. so
0: great. So he just kills that scene Mm. and when he lies down next to her it's so sweet so but i think the Mm. setting is different i don't remember them being in something like that but yeah i I don't remember yeah that was
1: that was really good that kid at the end when he lays down with her you can actually see like tracks of tears before Mm. he gets to her so they've obviously filmed it a couple of times and he's been able to cry both times i'm just like wow Mm. this child is so talented he is really talented and he does that really well Mm. and he does all the different
0: facets of the kid that of Mm. charles wallace really well and charles wallace is a is such an interesting character mm, because he's a, he's this odd sort of smart outsider child yeah who um, who is able to succeed in the world because his family is so caring for him mm. so it, it it's one of the reasons why the ending of the book is so re- emotionally resonant yeah yeah um, and the ending of the movie is so emotionally resonant and the fact that she but I I feel like the thing where the dad like chooses to go back and she wants to stay doesn't happen but I'm not sure it's yeah. been a really long time. I feel like he died or something and he's not there anymore or something Yeah, like that. it is
1: a bit of an interesting choice because, like, it doesn't – like, he obviously – loves his kids and it just Mm. seems like and he can see that this other kid's possessed like i get that he doesn't have the same relationship with charles wallace but like he can see that this kid is possessed it's not his fault Mm. that he's doing this um and so it is a weird choice to go without him
0: yeah i do feel like i do feel like the movie was trying to go like he's gonna take her back and then go back so that he can protect her yeah
1: presumably that's what Um, he was thinking yeah Um, but it does it to her she doesn't see that No, but he he also doesn't
0: say that. And he's like, oh, well, I can't lose both of you to be it. Which
1: which is interesting because, like, he's – when, if we interpret it that way we're kind of thinking like parents mm. and he is too which is to get the one kid out of the way so you can get the other one yeah. to safety right whereas when you think about it like a kid you're more like no I I'm not like you don't she's not thinking of herself as being needed to get to safety yeah like whereas exactly. he's kind of he's not viewing it that way right exactly like
0: he yeah which makes sense it does and and yeah and then they don't mention it afterwards which is really strange too mm. um no it's just like all is forgiven well no it's not just that. like he he apologizes for something different Mm. (laughs) and not for the thing that I felt like he should be apologizing for and so I was like it seems like an odd choice and that's also why I feel like it wasn't it was a twist for the movie and I felt like it was a bit unnecessary Mm. like we don't need to have her dad kind of betray charles wallace in that it, way that's exactly what it feels um, like
1: um like it would have made t- like i don't know maybe um floppy head white boy whose name i've forgotten he's calvin he f- and levi miller right if he um he wasn't bad either by the way for a floppy head white boy um but if he like you have it like you just kind of have to rewrite that a little bit like he have him figure out how to tessa and then he is holding on to chris pine and they go was so. i yeah. obviously they need to get those two alone for that final scene yeah um
0: but the actual getting to that but the thing is he only yeah. wanted meg anyway they only wanted meg anyway so they didn't even need to have them go back mm. like they could just have him take meg mm. and the other two try to get to them like it's, well, that, yeah, it's, that, not,
1: like, it's completely like, unnecessary yeah that's right um chris pine's trying to test them all out of there but um but charles wallace evil charles wallace like he grabs her and takes her like Mm. yeah that works too yeah that it's a really simple solution Mm.
0: um whereas having him and it it seems to say something about like adoption versus natural kids which is really
1: iffy as well especially as when the open of the movie right when meg is little and she says to Chris Pine, Will I love him as much as if he were my real brother? And the look that crosses Chris Pine's face mm. when that happens of like he is your real brother mm. is like that seems to undermine that message. Yeah. Of like, yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. And the way that they explain it to a child is nice too. And and you know, it does undermine. Yeah, they do that really good.
1: Of... Like they have little activities for her to explain yeah. it and it's really sweet.
0: It is really sweet. And they're clearly great parents. And mm. also the reason that he figures out that um how
1: to open the Tesseract is through love, which is mm. silly but no. fine. Um, also a plot point in Harry Potter. Not a Tesseract point, but there's a, more than one occasion in Harry Potter where love is the way that the problem is solved.
0: Yes. Well, um, the protection spells and things. It mm. just seems odd that love is a frequency with which you can travel the universe. Although that quantum thing where there's like two connected um molecules mm. across the universe, I've always liked that. Um, that was cool. Yeah, that is that's like a real science fact. Although the mm. when she says you might say in love, and I'm like you wouldn't because you're in a room full of science. Scientists. No, you would That's definitely dumb.
1: not say that. And, yeah, she's a mathematician.
0: She's not going to say that. Right. That's silly. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, but the reason that he figures that out is because he sees Gugu mbatha and Charles Wallace mm, and he loves them. Yes. So
1: it's strange that the movie seems to then go... Like he put more weight on one kid than another yeah and and i get that they haven't really had a relationship because he was just adopted and then he disappeared but his dad disappeared but that clearly he doesn't like love that kid any less but clearly he's Delighted to be adopting this kid.
0: Yeah, and he says my baby boy is here and all that stuff. Yeah. it just seems to undermine a lot of that those things, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure about what it's trying to say. Yeah, it just seems like a weird choice. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I do now want to find out if that's what happened in the book. Though. Yeah, and
1: um, we can look that up. Okay,
0: so the the, the missus tell Meg she has to re- rescue Charles Wallace because their dad left when Charles Wallace was a baby and doesn't have enough strong enough bond with him. Oh, so, so that is
1: what the movie says like well no but the
0: missus have decided that for him yeah in the book i mean Mm. yeah they they decided that for him in the book Mm. but it's also not about who's going to rescue char like it's not a choice between the two of them to rescue charles wallace in the movie it's him specifically choosing meg over charles wallace which is a whole different thing Mm. so Mm. i don't know it's both sort of equally troubling to be honest um but but he's not adopted in the book either no so it's a whole different thing yeah um yeah Okay. Also kind of feels like Calvin's a little unnecessary, but
1: he is kind of yeah. um but it does help to have three of them go instead of two. Yeah, it helps to have for her to have a kid her own age as well. Mm. Um just to kind of show up a bit of a contrast. So you were going to talk about hair. Right, which is um I think they do talk about it
0: in the book, but I, it's definitely more pertinent in the movie because of black hair and a lot of those other things. I know there's an article up on Mary Sue at the moment about talking about Meg's hair. Mm. Um the the conversations that they have where Calvin is like, "I like your hair, and she's like, "Don't say that, yeah, like that are really interesting, and the fact that her hair is straight in her idealized version very interesting, yeah, it's really kind of interesting, especially since her mother has the same hair as her mm-hmm. um there's even a bit where Mrs. Witch has the same hair as her, but white mm-hmm. um so and there's
1: and she plays with it a lot. She puts it up and she does different things with yeah, it yeah, yeah, like there's a scene where she's the like she's shown actually doing it, like getting mm-hmm. it wet and putting it up in a bun, yeah,
0: yeah, um which clearly is like and something Ava DuVernay would know about and all that sort of stuff is a really interesting way of characterising Meg mm. um, and, like, the fact that she has a problem with her hair because it's not, like, mm. the same hair as other people have. Yeah. is a really interesting facet of, like, that they can do in the movie with having black Meg that wouldn't be resonant in the same way. It's like um, black Hermione, actually.
1: Yeah. Because, like, yeah, yeah, I think white Hermione similar. of the books has problem hair but it makes a lot more sense to have a black hermione because that problem hair may mean something different or it makes sense to have a black hermione not more yeah sense.
0: i was gonna say it's not, lot
1: but yeah the, it's, i mean white girls also can have problem with problems, problems with their yeah, hair but there's a di- there's a whole different dimension of like bad hair and good hair and stuff so. yes yeah yes. I, I i think that was very interesting too especially when the um because when idealized meg showed up I did. I thought it was Rowan Blanchard at first because it had that long straight hair. But also, she has the same silhouette same sort of with outfit. The skirt. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's very much like this is the her mm. idealized version of herself. Used to be more like Veronica, mm. um, and then she sort of decides that that's not who she needs to be mm. um but i like that they do that without demonizing veronica yes. it's just that she's not that yeah which is nice amazing. that was interesting but um yeah the hair do's as well in this movie are amazing oh the the wigs on um the misses. wow yeah incredible and the the not just the wigs, the costuming is incredible for them oh my and even the costuming for the kids the as well is yeah. really good yeah because it gives you a very it's it's Um, clear and gives you a sense of who they are as people without being like too cartoony or too over the top or anything like that. And it's all very
1: based in like the practicality of them being kids on an adventure. So there's jeans and sneakers, but then like Charles Wallace being Charles Wallace is is dressed like differently. He has vests and jackets and things Mm. that um, are more like him. Whereas the other two are more like jeans and t-shirts and sneakers kind of kids. Yeah. Plus the outfit that Chris Pine goes missing in is really... Oh, he looks lovely, and that coat He's, that he has on at the end—he has the he, coat plus the vest over the short shirt. I, I do so wonder. Good. Chris Pine is a very stylish man in real life. Like mm. he, he always dresses in like nice, expensive designer clothes, and I feel like there's a bit of Chris in the the outfits. Yeah
0: and that's not necessarily about it and he
1: but but. he also was dressed very much on trend. like Hmm. the he had um we'd been talking earlier about business casual and he was went to the presentation he's wearing sneakers which Hmm. like sneakers are becoming like okay in business casual in certain contexts and i was thinking about that because he's like wearing chinos and sneakers and a and a Jacket, mm. um, but it looks very pulled together and very like appropriate to be giving a conference presentation. But he also has that like but scientist, you know, mm, the beard and the long right. hair and but like, on trend, not, yeah, yeah, it was
0: cool. I liked it. It was yeah. great,
1: very clever. But Yeah,
0: the costuming all through, and then the the misses change costumes like every five minutes. Oh, it's and they wonderful. Just
1: look so great. They must. I mean, they must have spent forever in hair and makeup, but also they just looked amazing, and Oprah they were with so diamond eyebrows. I know they were so distinctive, though. Yeah. Um. And then when they were fading, when they went on to the bad world, you could like the makeup was toned down about ninety percent. Um. And it was all, all all backed off. and They all looked like their real selves. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I just thought, yeah, the, the costume and the production designer was a woman and the production design was amazing. Mm. Um, oh, it was and that, it's so it, distinctive. Yeah, and that's kind of unusual. But, but not just on that planet. The production design of their house was really good. Oh, yeah. Like, her room was amazing. But also people talk about the feeling of the house and how it's very warm, warm. and homey even mm. though the dad's missing and things. Yeah, and, like, the back, the way the backyard is set up. Like, yeah. clearly some kids live here, but it's a little bit of an adventure playground. Yeah, exactly. I, I um, The production designer, good job. Mm. Um, yeah, I think we can probably give it a rating now. Sure. Um, I I'm going to go with three and a half. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with three. Um, I, I just there's definitely a lot of problems with it, like in the performances, and it it really does take a long time to really get going. Mm. Um, a lot of it feels like it's just that that slightly Disney sheen, mm. Disney Channel sheen of it that yeah. really pulls me back from it. Yeah. Um. And yeah, it's not always shot as nicely as it could be yeah um so yeah i'm gonna i'm between three and three and a half but you gave it three and a half so i'll go three Fair enough. Okay, it was definitely my favorite of the three we watched this week,
1: though. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like me too. The most watchable one of the three we watched this week for me, big time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like to find show notes or old episodes, they're on our website, SilverScreenQueens.com. If you want to find us on social media, we're at Screen underscore Queens on Twitter, at Facebook.com/silverscreenqueens, forward slash and Tumblr.SilverScreenQueens.com on Tumblr. Thank you. Oh, for listening. he does
0: leave him. He does leave
1: Charles. Michael. Charles Wallace.
0: Yeah, it did sound like it. Oh, and thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.